So today's uh, sermon is called Truth and Love. You know, one of the most difficult aspects of Christ-centered relationships, and I would argue just relationships in general, is speaking to one another in truth and in love. It is such a difficult thing to find that balance, to be able to speak to one another and point out those things that are hurting them, to ask them to turn away from that, and yet at the same time, do it gently and in a way that is beneficial, that is encouraging to them. And the hard part is, is that when we go too far in either direction, that causes pain, that causes misunderstanding, and that causes sometimes even a broken relationship. Now, this is, a de- this is a very difficult endeavor, but the Bible tells us that we are called to walk that line. We are called to encourage and yet challenge one another in that way. It is a mandate given to us to speak both in truth and in love to each other. One of the reasons why this is so difficult for us is because in our culture today, it forces us almost to go all the way on one side or all the way on the other. It tells us either that we have to speak all in truth, to all judge, or to speak so much in love that we avoid and we only go in that direction. And yet, we are called to do the same both. You see, some of us are too overactive in how we judge other people. You know, John Calvin, he actually says this. He's a, he's a 16th century uh, pastor. He says, within us, we have an undue eagerness to judge. You know, sociologists, they point out this trend where, our, where specifically for our generation, we have this crazy celebrity culture, and yet we love seeing celebrities have mental breakdowns. We love seeing them fall from grace. It's almost a a sickness. And they went on to say that a majority of us love seeing others fail and are hypercritical of the people around them. I know that for you guys also, if you even think about it, you can think of certain people that you can say, oh, these people are pretty hypercritical too, right? Don't look at other people around you. Just, Just think about it, right? Now, on the other side, is the idea that everyone should be immune to any type of judgment, criticism, or critique in their life. There was an editorial on CNN that talked about something called hypersensitivity. It talked about how we have built a culture where no one can say anything because it would be rude and inappropriate. There was an example of a university that came out with a language guide. And it came out with this language guide to inform other incoming students how they should speak to one another and what words were considered offensive. Now, this language guide caused a lot of controversy, and it was taken down. And one of the reasons it was taken down was because they said that the word American was unacceptable. It was inappropriate because it failed to recognize people of South American origin. Another word is that they said the word senior citizen was inappropriate. It was unacceptable. And it should be replaced with people of advanced age. 
don't know about you, but that sounds more offensive to me. <laughs> you see, if this is the culture that we are living in, no wonder it's so difficult for us to have Christ-centered relationships that are based on a biblical and true understanding of communication. Because a biblical understanding of communication is that we are meant to live in that balance. We are meant to speak truth, and we are meant to give advice, we are meant to evaluate, and yet at the same time, we are meant to do that all in love and care for each other. We are meant to stay in that middle ground. You see, Ephesians 4.15, Paul, he tells the church, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. In other words, Paul says that the way that we're meant to grow in Christ is by speaking to one another in truth and in love. Now, for all of that, the question becomes, how do we do that? How do we balance that line? How do we live this out well? Well, in this passage that we just read, Jesus tells us, And today we're going to unpack what it means to speak to one another in truth and in love, what it means to have a Christ-centered relationship as we speak to each other. And we're going to see how Jesus explains it and how we can live it out in our lives. You see, for us, we understand that there are some words that have multiple meanings. This is called a lexical range, right? And and that means that when you look at the dictionary, there's not just one definition, but there's maybe two, maybe three. And it means that almost every word has this lexical range in their meanings, and they are used differently depending on the context. So if I say something like, someone is engaged, it can mean a couple different things. Some of us, we can assume that it means they're one step closer to marriage. And yet, it can also mean that maybe they're engaged in their studies, they're engaged in a presentation, they're engaged with hearing and listening to the sermon. It's important to know the context before we interpret the meaning. This is the lexical range of these words. And that's why verse 1 is oftentimes so misrepresented and so misinterpreted. Because verse 1, it says, Judge not that you be not judged. What does the word judge mean? You see, one of the definitions of the word judge is, I think, the one that we all kind of are familiar with. It means to evaluate, to discern. To evaluate means to say, look, this is better than this. This is right and this is wrong. You see, at the end of a class, you get an evaluation sheet, and it's what you're meant to kind of write down things that were good about a class and things that weren't as good. You're meant to judge. You're meant to evaluate. Now, a lot of people, when they read this verse, they think that Jesus is telling us, do not judge in this way. Do not tell other people what is right and what is wrong. But is that really what Jesus is forbidding? Is he really saying, don't tell anyone that they're wrong? 
Is he really saying, don't ever criticize or tell anyone that this is good or that this is bad? The answer is no. He is obviously not saying that. He is obviously not interpreting it that way. And the reason I say obviously is because in verse 6, Jesus makes a negative evaluation by calling some people dogs and pigs. And even before that, he says that some people are hypocrites. And later in Matthew, he calls some Pharisees a brood of vipers or, or some snakes. And so it doesn't make sense that Jesus would say, don't evaluate others, don't criticize others, you pig. That sounds like a sitcom. That sounds so weird, right? Of course, that's not what Jesus is saying here. And so if that's not the right definition of judging others, what is Jesus really trying to say? What does Jesus really mean when he says, do not judge or you will be judged in the same way? You see, in Acts 17, it says that Jesus had set a day where he will come and, quote, judge the world. Now, this means that when Jesus comes back, he is going to save the faithful, but he's also going to punish what is evil. He will condemn and he will imprison Satan in those last days. This is what Jesus is saying when he tells us, do not judge. You see, in our relationships with one another, we are meant to evaluate, we are meant to say what is right and what is wrong, but we are not meant to condemn one another. That is Jesus' job. That is what Jesus is called to do. That is not our position. That is not what we are called to do. We are simply called to evaluate, to guide each other, to say, hey, this is right, this is wrong, and to help each other in that way. And yet, when we condemn and when we punish in that way, what we're asking God to do is say, look, I want you to judge me in the same way that I am condemning others. This is what Jesus is trying to say here. You see, Romans 14.10, Paul says, why do you pass judgment on your brother? And then immediately he says, why do you despise him? In other words, why are you looking down on him? Paul wants to make sure that we understand our hearts and the way that our hearts function before we speak to someone else. When you tell someone what's right and what's wrong, what is your ultimate motive in that. This is what Paul's saying. This is how you can evaluate whether you are judging them correctly or wrongly. Are you speaking to them in truth? Are you speaking to them in love because you want to restore them? Because you want to maintain your relationship and grow with them? Because you want them to grow in Christ and cling on to him? Or are you doing it because you want to condemn them? Are you doing it because you want to punish them? Are you doing that because you want to make them feel bad? This is going to be the crux. This is going to be the ultimate way that you can decipher the way that you are judging others. You see, church, one of the dangers that I've seen with Christians is that many of us are too quick to speak. 
We hear about how someone else is in sin or how they're living their life wrong. And the first idea, the first thought, the first action that we have is that we want to immediately go and give advice and critique on how they should live. But I want to challenge you, listen first. Listen to them first. And the reason why is because, man, it becomes nearly impossible to speak biblically to another person if you have never heard their story or understand where they're coming from. This is why empathy is such an important tool for you as a Christian. It is so much more difficult to contextualize and to personalize your advice to that one person if you don't know where they're coming from, if you have no idea what they've gone through. How can you ever speak to them clearly if you have one completely blind spot in your life and it's their story? And what ends up happening is that person doesn't feel like a friend being spoken to. They feel like a prisoner simply being punished. Now, on the other side, if someone criticizes or rebukes you, I pray that you would be open-minded and spiritually mature enough to take it and grow from it. The Bible tells us that the spiritually mature person will grow through opposition, while a foolish person will sink from every wind and every wave that approaches them. When we receive critique, I hope that we can hold on to what is good and hold on to what is needed, and yet at the same time throw away anything that is wrong and condemning. You have the discernment to do so. Don't throw away everything. You guys heard the, the saying, don't throw away the baby with the bathwater. It's the same thing. Look, even if somebody is coming to you full of anger, full of emotion, full of a lot of bad things, I pray that you would be spiritually mature enough to hear whatever truth is in there, no matter how small it is, and that you would take it and that you would grow from it. Because God... He is able to use anything to help you grow. And so he can use, obviously, the wisest people that you know. But of course, God can use even the most foolish to shame those wise people. So of course, even in those people who are saying so many other bad things to you, it may seem like, I pray and I hope that you would be spiritually mature enough to take it and to grow from it. Take what is good throw away anything that is bad. You see, Christ-centered relationships, they must have a balance. The balance isn't a fear of man where we avoid speaking the truth, but on the other hand, we have to be humble and we have to be respectful and we have to desire to restore without condemnation. It's a middle ground here, church. So, if Jesus tells us to have this type of balance, the question is, how do we live this out in our lives? Right, that's, the, that's the big question. That's a good question. And Jesus, he kind of understood that's what you're thinking of because he talks about it in verse 3. He says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, 
but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. See, the question we're trying to answer here is how are we able to speak and act towards one another in a way that is restorative and biblical and not condemning? And Jesus answers this by talking about specks and logs and eyes. It's kind of strange. But when you look deeper into this metaphor, we're going to see that Jesus is showing us exactly how we should be processing this question. You see, when you have a speck or a splinter in your eye, the most obvious thing is that it impedes your ability to see out of that eye. That's obvious. Your eye is watering, you're constantly blinking, and even though it's small, it covers your entire eye, you can't concentrate on anything else. So even if something's important in front of you, even if there's something that you should be able to see normally, you're not going to be able to because there's a speck within your eye. Spiritually speaking, when you have a sin in your life that you have not confronted, it destroys your ability to see others in the right way. It will impede your ability to treat them fairly and biblically. Even in situations where you should know the right answer, and even in situations where it would be obvious for somebody else, For you, you will not treat them well. You will not treat them biblically because the speck, the sin that is in your own eye and your own soul is impeding and distorting your view of them. For example, if you desire to be successful in your career to the point that it overtakes you, it can can cause you a distorted view of your family and it can cause you to not care about how it's affecting them. Now, if an outsider sees that, of course they're going to see how wrong that is. Of course they can see with 20-20 vision that you should never put your family above your career. Then they're sorry, you should never put your career above your family. However, for that person, they're not going to be able to understand that. For that person, they're not going to be able to see that. Because for them, that sin in their life that they have not confronted is going to distort their view, and they will say that their success and that their career is more important. Another example is that bitterness in a past relationship can distort the way that you look at future relationships. That the way that you're treating somebody else, even if that person did nothing, even if that person doesn't deserve it, You are treating them badly because of something in the past that happened to you. Everyone else can see that what you're doing is wrong, and yet you will not see that because your past relationships has distorted you in your future one. There are so many ways a speck in your eye can destroy your ability to see others in the right way. And you see, church, that's why a relationship with one another is so vitally important. Because the way that your sin is going to be revealed and the way that you will be talked through it is through the advice and counsel of others. This is why a church community is so important for us in our growth. Because you will have spiritual blind spots. You will will have sins in your life that you need other people to speak into that you cannot see yourself. 
We need this type of evaluation. However, here's the caveat. It needs to be done carefully. It needs to be done gently. And it needs to be done patiently. You see, church, have you ever wondered why Jesus would use the body part of an eye rather than something else? I mean, the imagery of a splinter or a log in someone's eye is kind of ridiculous, right? I mean, it kind of doesn't make sense. For me, if I thought about it, it would make more sense maybe in your hand, considering that Jesus grew up as a carpenter, right, with his father. And and so you would think that maybe it would connect more with a different body part. And yet, for some reason, Jesus uses an eye. Well, I think it's really interesting because Jesus is so smart about this. He is so smart because he understands the balance that's needed when we speak to one another. You see, if you have something in your eye and it's watering and it's, you know, there's something going on there and you, and you ask for help, right? Everyone's done this before. And you, and you ask for help and you're, and you're wondering what, what's up. And someone rushes over to you and they're holding a pair of scissors. And they're going, I'll help you. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to do this for you. What are you going to do? You're going to like karate chop them. You're going to run away, right? Of course, like you will never let them get anywhere close to you. You would never let them. Look, even if they came with tweezers, oh, something like metal and sharp like that, no way, right? I would never let somebody come with tweezers even near my eye. Now, the people that you would want to help you are number one, people that you trust, obviously, people that you love. But secondly, only if they come to you slowly, only if they come to you gently, only if they come to you patiently, because you know and they know how precious your eyes are. They know what a delicate procedure it is. This is what Jesus is telling us and how we should treat one another in our relationships. This is what Jesus is trying to tell us and how we speak to one another when we reprimand, when we confront, and when we rebuke one another. You should point out flaws. You should evaluate and tell one another what is right and what is wrong. It is a good thing to do that. It helps you to grow towards Christ. However, you have to do it carefully. You have to do it gently. You have to do it patiently. Church, what is the sin in your life that is distorting your view of others? If you know what it is, man, praise God. Go to the Lord and know that there is forgiveness wherever there is repentance. Turn from it and go in the opposite direction. And if you don't know that sin, then are you open to having others speak words of truth into your life. You see, Jesus tells us that our sins should be our first priority over the sins of someone else. And the reason why is because, man, if, if we do not see our sins greater than other people's sins, then there is no way that we will ever be able to treat them well spiritually. 
Verse 3, it says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? You see, why would Jesus use the image of a speck in someone else's eye and a log in our eye? I looked, I, was, I looked this up, and, and I read a lot of different commentaries, and, and there's a few different interpretations for this. But there was one that really s- struck out to me in particular. You see, if you have a speck in your eye, it should look like a plank to you. That even though it's a speck to other people when they're looking at you, For you in particular, even if it's a small little speck, even if it's a a small little splinter, to you it should feel like and it should look like a huge log. So Jesus is saying that we should understand our own sins and see the enormity of our flaws before we even take a step towards looking at anyone else. Only then will we be able to speak to them in a biblical way and in a good way. You see, I am really, I know how hard this is. I am the first one to tell you, man, this is so difficult, I know. It is difficult to rightly evaluate your own heart. It is so difficult to rightly evaluate other people. And it is so difficult to speak to somebody in truth and in love, gently, patiently, in all of those ways. I know that. And it's so strange because, look, it's hard for me to see my flaws. It's hard for me to see my sins, even though I know my heart better than anyone else. Isn't that strange? That for each of us, we know our hearts better than anyone else. We know our thoughts better than anyone else. And yet, even though we know ourselves that way, it is so difficult to see our own faults, and to see our own sins. Why don't we understand the depths of our sin more clearly? The answer is simple. It's because we love ourselves more than we love God. You know, one of the most important pieces of literature that has shaped my spiritual life was a writing by St. Augustine. And he talked about something called disordered loves. And in it, he said something really simple. He said, we often love less important things more and more important things less. And when we do that, everything messes up in our lives. And he says that the most important person in our lives is Jesus Christ. And yet for many of us, he is not the first important thing in our lives. This was important to me because back then I thought that if I loved other things, it meant that I didn't love Jesus Christ. But for me, I felt safe because you know what? I did love Jesus Christ. And so I'm fine and I'm doing well. But Augustine says, look, that's not the case. As Christians, we can love Jesus Christ, but the sin is that we love other things more than him. And one of the greatest sins for us, one of the reasons why we can't speak biblically and well to each other, the reason why there's so much miscommunication and hurt and broken relationships is because our love for Jesus Christ does not supersede our love for ourselves. Our love for ourselves goes way above and beyond anything else. 
And yet, if we understand what Jesus Christ has done for us, when we understand the gospel, and when we live for him, that's when we will speak to each other in a way that is biblical and good and restorative. You see, at the end of this passage, Jesus, he gives this parable about pigs and dogs and pearls. Now, there's one other place in Matthew that talks about pearls. It's this parable of a man who, it says that he discovers a pearl of great price. It's this treasure. And when he discovers it, he sells everything to have it because he understands the value of it. That pearl is meant to represent the gospel. That pearl is meant to represent Jesus Christ. And you see, that man, he understood the importance of Jesus Christ to the point where he was willing to sell everything because he understood that Jesus Christ was meant to be the center of who he was. It wasn't that the pearl was meant to supplement his life. No, he understood that everything else was inconsequential compared to the value and the goodness of what that pearl was. He understood how good it was to have Jesus Christ. Now, what does a pig in this passage have to do with a pearl? Well, I believe Jesus is trying to use a few different interpretations here. And one of the interpretations is that there's a type of person who doesn't truly understand the gospel. Because, you see, they receive it, they receive the pearl, they take that understanding of the gospel and of Jesus Christ, but instead of truly centering their, their lives around Jesus Christ, instead of trying to put everything else as a supplement around him, what they're going to do is put themselves first and put God second. So they'll serve and honor God to a point, but it's always with the mindset, if I serve God, then he should be giving me these things. If I'm giving God these things, if I'm doing my best for God, then he should be giving me all of these other things. And if you have that type of theology, if you have that type of mindset, then what Augustine is saying here, and what the Bible is saying here, is that there is a disordered love in your life. That you have not understood the value of the pearl. That you are like a pig who simply sees a pearl of great value, and instead of truly selling everything in order to have it, you eat it like anything else. And it's worthless. If you have that type of sin, church, if you have that type of understanding, you will not be able to see your own sin and you will not treat others with any type of biblical love or biblical truth. But if you understand the gospel, look, you'll go in the opposite direction. You're not going to say, what can God give to me? you will be willing to sell everything for the sake of the kingdom. Those people understand that there is nothing better than knowing God. And there is no one else who can change others rather than God. God is the only one who can, who can convict the heart. God is the only one who can change hearts of stone into flesh. 
Church, this means that even if you are the most eloquent, even if you are the most articulate person in the room, you will not and you cannot change that other person's heart. Even if you see them going in a terrible direction, even if your children are wayward, even if your parents are going this way, even if your friends or your spouse is going in a direction you know is wrong, the only person who can change them is Jesus Christ. The only person who can convict them is the Holy Spirit, church. That's it. Do you have your faith in the right place? Do you have your love in the right place? Because if you don't, then everything is on you to change them. Everything is on you to to change everything about them. But when you put Jesus Christ first in your life, all you are called to be is a steward. All you are called to be is a vessel. So speak words of truth. Speak words of love. Do your best, but know that Jesus Christ is going to do everything else. Know that Jesus Christ is going to be the one who convicts. And so just simply trust in that. You will have peace. Speaking words of truth and love is difficult, but we are able to do it through the reliance of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. So be courageous, church. Be courageous, but be gentle and be patient because Jesus Christ was patient with you. He spoke in perfection, and yet he was not accepted. And I hope that you can see all that Jesus Christ has done. See how good he has been to us. And know that if he did not give up on you, even in the darkest moment of his life, man, do not give up on others as well. Amen? Let's pray.